Welcome to this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Jonathan Ginder. Lord God, we thank you that you've called us, that you've enabled us, that you've blessed us, that you have called us friends. And Lord, we just want to worship you this morning. We want to see your presence move in this place, changing our hearts, our lives, our minds, and our relationships. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, inhabit our praise this morning as we lift them up to you. And Lord, we just ask it all in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. And God is good. Isn't it great to like just come here and worship together? And, and uh, it is just, uh, we're just blessed. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Well, this morning, uh, uh, I'll, I'll introduce myself, John Ginder, one of the chaplains here, uh, pastoring at the All-American Chapel with y'all. Um, but we're going to be continuing on this week with, uh, with, a, with a sermon series of Christ our King. Uh, Chaplain Coyne introduced it last week and talking, uh, talking about that, that who Christ our King is and the letters that... Uh, that that he that he wanted to go to the church to the seven churches that John had 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 uh, had given to the churches, and we are we are seeing and understanding who Christ is. Christ as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the engaged High Priest. So this, over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at these seven churches, and uh, but today we're looking at the Church of Ephesus. It is the first and the largest and the most influential of all of the churches. Any church and every church can find a message in these letters, including this one. This, this is what, our, what, what we are focusing on as Christ our King in the series. And it's not just this historical letter or historical document, but it is about Christ our King speaking to our church, to All-American Chapel today. So five of these letters... Uh, they all start with, uh, with some awesome things. And five, five of these churches, though, have some very serious flaws. But every single one of them, he points out positives of the church. So the kind of the structure of what we're going to be looking at today is, uh, is number one, we're going to be looking at who this church and this city was. Number two, we're going to be looking at the positives of the church. Number three, we're going to look at the problems of the church and then number four, we're going to look at the promises of the church. But the main point of this message today, the main point about the church of Ephesus and about for us as a church is how, we have, how, the, how the church has left their first love. And Christ is inviting, inviting them back and inviting us back to restoring relationship. So if you'll join me as we look at this first point who this church was, and, what, and who this city was. So if you look at just the historical picture of Ephesus, it's pretty, it's pretty epic, right? So the, for you look at the early centuries, Ephesus always existed. All, all the way up until the fourth century, this has been a very prominent city. It was the second largest Roman city. Over, over a quarter million in population, 250,000 people lived in this city. It was the wealthiest in the world. It was a center of learning and progressivism, a home of many authors and artists. 
Uh, here's something unique. wasn't It wasn't a norm for culture at that time, but in this city, women had equal rights in the city. They were viewed as professionals, and uh, and and they were viewed. They were recognized as leaders. This was a city that had wealth, and one of the things that actually Jesus pointed out in this text that, that Mark had read that Mark had read today about how these the uh, the the streets were lit with oil lamps. This is a sign of their wealth, and they were proud of that. At night, the street was lit up. Also in this city were one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, 127 marble pillars, eight feet around, 67 feet high. This building was four times the size of the Parthenon in Athens, Greece. It was a port city. People would come from around the world to worship the goddess of, Art- of Artemis, and, uh, and, but that, that, that temple was the, cent- was the worship center, it was the banking center, it was the office center, it was, uh, it was a political center, um, and Ephesus was just a picture of power, of commerce, of, progressi- of, of progress- progressivism, ah, I can't talk, <laughs> and it can still be seen today. Uh, with his, with the with the ancient ruins of its buildings and and tunnels, and it's it's, it's just an amazing history in this city. But how could they be so good at so many things, and so powerful, and do all of these things, but miss out on what is most important? So let's look at the biblical history of Ephesus. Okay. So we have all these facts about the basic history, but the biblical history of Ephesus. So Paul preached here in Ephesus. He preached here in Ephesus. He actually started in the Jewish synagogue, and he preached in the Jewish synagogue for six months until he was kicked out because they didn't want to make the changes to become Christian. So then he went and was invited to the school that was built, but didn't have any teachers. Talk about a church planner's dream, right? You know, this empty school, and they invited him to come and teach. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, get this, the Apostle Paul teaches there day after day for two years. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's like, what? I, my mind's blown when I, was, when I was reading and studying about this. But, but through, this, through this and out of this school, the entire city was being converted. God was rocking this city. In Acts 19, we see that God was doing, was doing miracles through Paul. In this city, through the power of Christ, people were turning from idols, demons were being cast out, lives were being changed and transformed, and everything was great until it started messing with the pagan economy and culture of that city. And Paul was persecuted and almost killed because of that. This temple of Artemis and the business that was conducted there were suffering because of the changes that were happening because of the message and the mission and the ministry coming out of this school and these teachings, right? There was a, it, was, it was powerful. So we have this awesome history, and it continues on. Timothy was there in Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla were pastors there in Ephesus. John lived there before Paul got there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived there and died in Ephesus. There were some of the best leaders and brightest stars of the Christian church that is right there in Ephesus. So surely, this letter was sent to the wrong address, right? There's no way it was intended for this church. How 
could they do all of these great things and still miss the most important priority, which is love. John continues with more of this, of this letter, and he starts with the good stuff. Isn't that some awesome tact? So my next point today is what are the positives of this church? What are the positives of this church? So imagine with me, if you would, that I stood up here and said, I have a letter for you from Jesus for All-American Chapel. And that's what John was doing. He's delivering this letter. And this letter starts out, and he's saying, I know your deeds. In verse, verse 2, Revelation 2, verse, Re- Re- Revelation 2, verse 2, I know your deeds, I know your hard work, and your perseverance. The people of this church worked hard. This wasn't one of those churches where 10% of the people did 90% of the work. It wasn't like that. It was 100% of the people committed all in. If you were to focus on three of the Three of the main things that they're being praised for, you, you can see that they're being praised for their hard work. You can pre- see they're being praised for their, and recognized for, their in, for how they endured persecution and how they stand for the truth. But how could they do all of these great things and miss out on the most important priority, love? They stood up against wicked people and hypocritical leadership. There was a drift from Christian truth at this time, and, and, and this, this church of Ephesus, which was founded on some good, strong teaching, continued to stay, to stay faithful and stand up for what was true. They hated compromise of the, the, anybody who compromised the Christian life. They did not allow any type of counterfeit Christianity or hypocritical leadership. This is probably because of the awesome teaching and the foundation that they had. They stood up for the truth. They knew what was right and wrong, and they would, and they would stand for it. They were, they were truly that light in a dark city. They, they get a great score for doctrine. They didn't need a projector screen for the Apostles' Creed. They had it memorized. You know, I still need the screen. But they, they got a perfect score for all of those things. But how could they do all of these things? And still miss out on the most important priority, which is love. The Ephesian church held to the truth. They held up others to, the, to that same truth. They were a really good, good church. You know what? Any pastor graduating from the best seminary, which there's arguments out there among chaplains, which one's the best seminary, you know? But any, any, any pastor coming from the best seminary would want to come and work at this church right? I mean, who wouldn't want to come and work in this church? They had doctrinal purity. They loved the truth. They worked hard. The people were all in. It sounds great. Sounds like this church knows all about love, but are they living it out? The problem is that Jesus knows the works, but he also knows the heart. Let's look at the third point. What is the problem of the church? You really, really, really love the truth. But do you really, really love me? Is the question that Jesus is asking. Is what Jesus is calling out. If you can hear this, this is the mic drop. I'm like wired in, so I can't drop it. So it's okay. I won't break anything. But if you can hear this, 
All-American Chapel. Hear this. Jesus doesn't just see what is being done. He sees the heart. He sees the motives. He sees the underlying perspective. He proves it because he's telling them. He says, I know that you don't love me the way that you used to. This could look like the empty nest couple, right? The empty nester couple, married for 20 plus years, right? All these years of doing the right thing, of working hard, of of staying committed, of sticking it out. And finally, the kids are grown and out of the house. And some couples, they really, really, really look forward to this. And they're counting down the days. But there are some individuals that fear this, right? And they look at each other and they say, how did we get here? How did we get here? How could we do all of these things and lose out on the number one priority, which is love? We have all been taught that love is an action. The, the church can say that there is their, their commitment hasn't dropped off. Their doctrinal purity is there. Their teaching is strong. Their loyalty is strong. Their faithfulness has never dropped. But what has dropped is their love. Jesus wants continual, fresh commitment and love from, from his church. He wants that from us. He wants that from us here at All-American Chapel. There is serving. There is preaching. There is teaching. There is missioning, if that's a word, right? There's working, there's, there's faithfulness, there's truth, but they've drifted from what was most important, that relationship, that love with Jesus. If we can hear this, if we can hear this, this should impact us today. What he is saying is that you got it. You got it. Good for you, but you don't. God shows us that throughout entire scripture, the sum of all the law is love. To love the Lord your God with what? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is what that complete and total love is. Being a Christian at its heart is about falling in love with Jesus. Love is what is intended to drive our desire in life, not, not orders and, and tasks. It's love. All-American Chapel, we do, why do we do the things that we do? Is it out of duty? It needs to be more, it, 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 the, the more duty, the more orders, it's not, that's not what it's about. Because how can we do all of these things and miss out on the most important priority, which is love. Understanding that we are the bride of Christ, and Christ is our groom. This is the picture, right? The truth comes alive and is empowered, not by duty and obligation. Paul wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 6, he's, he's closing out the letter. In verse 24, he says, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is what undying love is. 1 John 1.19, love him because he 
first loved us. If we can hear this, this could make all American chapel uncomfortable, right? It should make us uncomfortable. You can serve without love, but you can never love without serving. Jesus knows this. The connection is there. Service and knowledge, that's all, that is all great. But here's the thing. Does doctrine drive you to desire, or does it drive you to debate? What, is it, what does it drive you to? The desire is romantic. And I know it, it sounds like, all right, Chaplain Gender, you know, this is not the Hallmark Channel, and, you know. But, but listen, this romance, this love life with Christ is for men, it's for women, it's for children to understand the greatest love story. This greatest kingdom invitation that we have from Christ, our King. This is a romantic desire. If I, has, as a husband, get too busy and don't do special things for Kelly anymore, it leaves this longing. And if there's one thing that I've got to get right, I've got to get that right by keeping that love alive. I never want to hear Kelly say, are we just roommates? Where, where is that love, right? That's like the worst thing you, want, you would want to hear. I've got to get this right. So last night, um, uh, I was going over a few things from, our, from uh, some memories that we have of our relationship. And uh, this is one of the earliest ones here. When I was in college, we met our freshman year. And um, before we were even dating, I was a poor college kid, didn't have much money, you know. <laughs> And uh, barely getting by, and uh, like my, as I was embarrassed in my car. It was bad. You know, everything was bad. But but I met this girl, and uh, and I was like, man, I was in love with her. She was everything, and I and Christmas was coming up, and I, I wanted to get her a gift. So I, I bought her this this seventy five dollars stuffed animal. Right, seventy five. I didn't have much money, but I went and spent seventy five dollars. This is, yeah, this, I think it was 1999. Whoa. We just celebrated 17 years of marriage. And, uh, um, but I, I gave this to her as a gift because I was head over heels in love for her. We were just friends at the time. I mean, I was trying to be more than just friends. You know what I mean? I was trying to work. This is the moves I had then. I, I didn't have many moves. And uh, I was looking through some other, I should have pulled this out here earlier, but looking through some other things. And uh, this is a box here. Um, in this box, we have uh, a bunch of cards and little mementos and gifts we've given each we've, that we gave to each other while we were dating, and uh, letter, letters from from ni- 1999 and 2000 and 2001 and 2002, just counting down the days to the day we got married, right? Holding on and remembering and remembering that first love. We need to hold on to this to these things. I'm going to put this guy up here so we can see him. All right? So I know that as a husband, as long as I have Kelly, there's nothing else that matters, right? No matter where the army takes us, no matter what orders I get, I've, I've got to take care of this one thing. So wherever we go, I always have these three priorities for 
for my, my personal priority is when the Army gives me orders, when we're done with those orders, number one, I want Kelly to still like me. That's important to me, you know? I, I'm, I know like, she's like, she has to love me, right? Yep. But I want her to like me, so that's number one. Number two, I want Kelly to still like the Army. I don't want her to be miserable, you know? And number three, I want the Army to still like me. Because that's important too, right? You know, but if I get these priorities messed up, man, I want to do this right, right? The most, how can I do all of these things and still miss the most important priority, which is love? We can't sacrifice our love for Christ for temporary things. There are so many important things. But if we mess this one thing up, it's a big deal. With the first love, it's not about just the moment. It's about every moment. It's not about just about one day, but it is about today. This may be the biggest decision of your life, your first love. Your first love is not just losing your first love. It's not just a passive thing. It's leaving. It's forsaking. It's active. It's turning away. It's walking away from your first love. It's not like you lost the charge on your cell phone, right? You lost internet access to some important file that you just left it behind. But it's leaving. It's walking away. Jesus is saying that I see you and I trust you. You put pictures of us on Facebook and write nice things. But what, what, what are you doing with me face to face? What are you doing with me face to face? You don't love me like you used to love me. I want to close with a promise. My fourth point, what is the promise of the church? In verse 7, we see here that that Jesus is saying, if you have ears to hear, if if you have ears to hear, if you've got ears, hear this, right? Jesus knows that they have ears, right? He knows that they have ears, but some things, some things are easy to say, right? But they're not. Some things are easy to see, but they're not. Some things are easy to feel, but they're not. Some things are easy to do, but they're not. Some things are easy to hear, but they're not. Jesus knows that they have ears, and, and this is important. He says, hear this. This is the ticket. This is how you get to my kingdom. It's through love and relationship with me. It's love and relationship with Christ. What an awesome, awesome gift. What an awesome, awesome invitation. This is not just a rebuke. This is an invitation to love Christ, to be in relationship with him. You get into heaven because of this relationship with Christ. If we can really hear this today, This one thing should change us. If you hear one thing, hear this. This one may be the hardest to hear. You have lost your first love. Return to your first love. Not just Christ our King, but Christ your King. It's personal. Not just the King, Christ my king. It's that personal relationship. We need to hear this. I want to invite the worship team to come forward.
And this morning, we're going to invite the prayer, we're going to have a prayer team up here as well in response in this invitation by our King. In this invitation we have by our King. If you miss anything, right? If you catch anything today, I want you to hear these things. If nothing else gets your attention, you may be stationed here at the best post in the United States Army, attending All-American Chapel. You may have the Apostles' Creed memorized. You may know every single chaplain that works here, but you lost your first love. Some of us, we like have trackers for important things, right? And we, we don't want to forget, right? And that works, right? But, but we don't have trackers for this. Some of us, you have trackers for everything and you still lose everything. You still forget everything. Don't forget this. Don't forget this one thing. Don't lose track of what is most important. This is one thing that if you forget, if you lose track of, like if you leave ho home without this, you can't, you can't call one of your kids, your wife, and say, hey, grab this. This is one you got to turn the car around for. Go back and get yourself. Because you can't leave home without that love, without that relationship, without that connection, without that drawing, right? It's PCS season. For us in PCS season, the important things, they get their own box. And we keep it with us. And we don't let it out of our sight. We carry it with us everywhere we go. If you're going to carry something with you today, don't miss out. How, don't get all these, everything else right, but miss the number one priority. Just that love and relationship. So this, this is a kingdom invitation. And, and Jesus is talking about the tree of life that is in this kingdom. And this tree of life, it's, we, it's talked about in the Garden of Eden and it's talked about in the heavenly kingdom. But it's also something that we don't have to wait for heaven to experience. This tree of life this morning, if you'll please stand as we get ready to worship, this tree of life this morning offers hope for everyone. It offers healing for everyone. It offers strength for everyone. It offers love and relationship for everyone. Don't, don't wait till you get to heaven for this. If this is something that, that you're like, God, I want, to, I want to experience this now. I want to experience this today. I want you to come to the altar this morning and join one of our prayer teams, somebody in our prayer team. If, if, if you're looking for strength because you're going through a tough time right now, if you're looking at deployments or transition or um, maybe stuff with the family or, or, or stuff with your health and you're looking for healing, if it's a relationship, whatever it is, I want you to know that tree of life, that this kingdom invitation is here and open for us today. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised us that you are our firm foundation. And Lord Jesus, I lift up this church, All-American Chapel, us, your bride. God, may this week, may we walk in relationship. May we walk in life. May we walk this week with a fresh focus of what our true priority is 
is that love and relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.